If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 369 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Kit Harrington of Irish MMA Media as we talk about, oh, it's a massive weekend in the world of mixed martial arts and another one coming up next week. I don't know how we're going to get through it all, but we're going to get through it all. Before we tell you about that, before we get into all of that, we must tell you about our friends over at Manscaped. And as I told you last week, sweaty sack summer is approaching, guys. We better get ready for it. The sun is shining, shorts are off, and your balls are smooth. You heard that right. Your friends here at Manscaped are here to make your beach balls uh, as smooth as the Floridian sand. In summer, uh, you want to kill some cold beers and barbecues, not kill the vibe with peeps, pu- pu- puking, peeking out of your sound. I hope don't be puking, peeking out of your swim trunks. That's why Manscaped has their performance package 4.0 to keep the party in your pants looking crisp and refreshing all summer long. So dive head first into summer by joining the 4 million win- men worldwide, minimum wine, minimum wine, men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for hot guy summer. It's already here for me, it's here all year round for me. But Oh my god, the manscaped.com getting 20% off plus free shipping with the code severe MMA. And it's all about that Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. It is everything you need for the summer. You'll find the lawnmower 4.0, the ear and nose hair trimmer that's called the weed whacker. You'll also get the crop preserver, uh, ball deodorant, and the crop reviver toner, as well as the boxer briefs and the travel bag to hold it all in. That lawnmower 4.0, you probably know about. I know it is the advanced skin safe technology. 7,000 RPM motor, unbelievable multi-function on and off switch, and it gives you the ability to turn on the 4,000K LED spotlight when you need to be a little bit more precise. Did we tell you that it's waterproof too? So you can use it in the shower, you can use it anywhere you need it. Once down, uh, downtown is taken care of, you can use those uh, liquid formations then, the crop preserver and the uh, ball toner as as well with a smoothing aloe vera formula it's the best in the business for below the waist freshness manscaped is even throwing in two free gifts uh they are the boxers and the shed travel bag Love that shared travel bag. I bring it absolutely everywhere with me. Uh, I want to take your... Well, not everywhere, but like when I'm going somewhere, I don't just like walk around with the fucking shared travel bag all the time. Uh, I want to take your groom in even further. Look at Manscaped Shears 2.0. 
Um, a package that is everything you need to look pristine nail cutters tweezers and grooming scissors the performance package uh, your ball with the performance package your balls will really need to impress but make sure to cover the rest with the shears 2.0 so get 20% off and free shipping with the code severemmanscape.com it's 20% off with free shipping using the code severemmanscape.com this is a summer to turn your package into a full package with manscaped Right, Graham. Uh, how are you? Jeez, I know you've been dealing with the old, uh, the old COVID. How are you? How are you feeling? You uh, last week, I hit my head. I had a sore leg and all. And I got through it. You're coming in with flu game this week. The bad flu, the the, the Rona. You you get through uh, yeah. it. You okay? You surviving? Yeah, no, I'm grand. The first day I, I had a headache and I was tired, but since then I just have a little bit of a headache, but it's it's nothing too bad. It's it's fine. That's good. That's good. You get through it. I know. I, the first time I had it, I take. I you know I never actually tested positive for it, but I've re- I definitely had it the first time anyway. But the second time it wasn't as bad. So these old the old vaccines and the bit of maybe uh, immunity and stuff we have aren't as bad. So I'm glad you're uh, I'm glad you're getting through it. All right, but sure, look, we have a lot of fights to get us. Uh, you know. Take a bit of a drink, take a bit of a breather in the background if you need it there, because we need a lot of air to get through this one, Graham. It's what a weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. It was very draining, to be fair. I was nearly falling asleep by the time the UFC main event came around, although it was the, felt like the longest card of all time. But um, Friday night, two very good cards. Lots of, uh, well, one anyway, a very good card, and lots of knockouts and everything like that. Then Cage Warriors in the UFC. God Almighty, it was it was on those weekends in MMA that I'll say it again it was very draining, but also very enjoyable, and especially when you see a card like that Cage Warriors Belfast card, which we're going to start with. Uh, God, you, you couldn't you couldn't be but be happy watching uh, watching a card like that. Did you enjoy your weekend of mixed martial arts? Graham? I know you're stuck at home, but because of the Rona, so you had lots of stuff to watch at least anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there was loads of stuff to watch. As you mentioned, it kind of reminded me of uh, of before when I had the Lee Hammond fight up on on one screen and the the Cage Warriors up on the other screen, trying to trying to watch both and not really being able to watch either properly. But uh, yeah, so it's good to have you know, uh, in particular for us, like Irish guys fighting kind of important important enough fights uh, as they rise up and you know uh, you see a lot of them winning as well is is obviously a big positive as well and. Uh, just outside of the Irish uh, side of it as well, I thought Cage Warriors was a really, really good card. Um, uh, the UFC was a pretty good card as well, and uh, yeah, so I think yeah, it was a really good uh, weekend of martial arts. So it kept me entertained at home. We can't bury the lead. We have to talk about Reese McKee straight from the top. We wouldn't be doing our job as an Irish MMA podcast, the most successful Irish MMA podcast. Let's uh, let's put it out, that out there straight away. Uh, if we didn't talk about Reese McKee, this lad. You know, we I remember talking about him years ago. Like, uh, look, we talked about Reese McKee before his pro debut, and we were giving out he shouldn't be fighting Johnny Jitsu, and we got a bit of sick for that. So, you know, and, and Andrew obviously there last night. Great job by Andrew McGahan as well above at Belfast. The camera work, the interviews, and all absolutely fantastic. So fair play to him. But uh, Andrew, like, uh, interviewing him as an amateur and everything like that to, to see. You know, and we talk all the time as well, and it's not just about rising from amateur to wherever you get to, and then to become a champion in an organization like Cage Warriors. It's looking at the setbacks too, and looking at you know he was even given out to you a couple of times ago for uh, talking about maybe going back down and wait, and you know obviously he had obviously tragedy with his father dying and losing that fight to Tim Barnett around then, and then coming back again and beating Tim Barnett, and you know becoming the Bama champion, and then losing to Terry Brazier, then bouncing back in Cage Warriors. Getting to the UFC, getting cut from the UFC, bouncing back, getting a couple of wins in cage wars again. 
it's that says a lot about Reese McGee. And I think last night you're what 15, 16 fights into your career, and you reach a stage where you're in a fight where you're it's a back and forth. You know, it, it's a, it's a fight that you'll either get knocked out in probably or knock someone out themselves or maybe get submitted or whatever. It was a war of attrition. That's the sort of fight that if it goes five rounds, it, it's going to be a, a slap fest probably in the last, um, last five minutes because th- these lads have put so much into it and have left so much out there. And I kind of mentioned that last week in terms of like Burlington hasn't done that yet. Now, Burlington has had a couple of setbacks as well and he'll be back. This guy is a really, really good fighter. But it feels just like Reese McKee was at five or six fights ahead that little bit extra bit of heartbreak ahead that little extra bit of uh, you know of confidence in his game to know that I have been knocked down before I can rise up again and to me that's exactly why Reese McKee won the fight we can talk about the technique we can talk about the power and all of that and that all goes so without that he wouldn't be in the fight he wouldn't be there but without those setbacks, without that ability to, to know in yourself deep down when you are gut-checked that you can rise up and you can win a fight like that, and Reese McKee did that. And for someone to do that after all those setbacks and to be able to rise again to do it like that, that takes something from within. That takes a special sort of human being. And I think, you know... As Graham, you can probably say it better than me. You watch Reese, probably the same or even more uh, as me on the way up. It it was it wasn't surprising, honestly, from Reese McGee. It wasn't surprising, and I think that's why a lot of Irish MMA people as well were very sad when Reese was cut from the UFC and felt he didn't get the opportunity maybe that he deserved uh, after the, the, the Morono fight especially but to see him come back and win a fight like this against the caliber of a fighter like Justin Burlington it, it was it was fucking amazing what were your thoughts on it? Yeah it was an absolutely brilliant fight and it was a, it was a brilliant performance from both guys really but from, from Reese's point of view you know it looked at one stage uh, we'll probably go into the specifics of the fight, but I think the ref didn't help him. But it looked at one stage like the ref was gonna was gonna stop the fight uh, against uh, Reese, and he just kept moving, even though he even though he ended up in a worse position. When the ref told him you have to you have to get out of there, he put himself in a worse position just to just to make sure you know he kept going. That bit of experience, as you mentioned, even in terms of you, you were kind of talking about it in terms of the kind of way to come back from adversity, but even the experience, to, even though the ref's kind of blowing it, the play along enough just very to, true yeah. you know the other guy could have been like here they could have just like it could have been stopped and he could have been complaining and it would have been like oh yeah you're you're correct but like nothing's gonna happen but he gave up the positions and took the shots and worked his way back and just never say die attitude it really was like both guys really wanted it you could see it it was an absolute war but uh you know and a shout out to the doctor as well like you know we've seen doctors who are inexperienced sometimes when there's a cut like that stop a fight and it was a huge cut on Reese's face, but it wasn't it wasn't impeding his vision and it wasn't bleeding into his eye. So I think it was a good decision to let him go. And you know, a lot of guys would 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 feel that big flappy skin in the middle of their face and think, "Oh fuck!" But Reese was Reese was in a war and he was there to he was there to to kill or be killed. And in the end, he he absolutely beautifully folded him with a, like a lawn chair uh, with that with that straight down the pipe shot. It was absolutely it was absolutely beautiful finish and a brilliant fight from both guys just uh yeah mm. and it was kind of fitting that uh, McGahan was there uh, kind of by luck or coincidence uh 
for Severe, uh, again, um, when he interviewed Reese, as you said, throughout his amateur career, even, you know, and Reese had adversity even in his amateur career and built on that. And he's taken, he's taken hard fights all along and it's, it stands to you when you do that and you get the experience in and, you know, if he hadn't have taken the kind of hard route, you know, that's a fight he could have easily lost and probably would have lost. I wondered, you know, you, you said about uh, the, the 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 almost stoppage in the first round. I want, I wonder, he probably didn't, but I wondered that Tommy McCafferty fight somewhere in the back of his mind, you know, where it was the opposite. He was on the other end of it, uh, where you know McCafferty was found himself in a in a situation, and I think the ref in that situation stopped it a little bit early, even though Reese was dominating, would have beaten Tommy McCafferty anyway. Don't get me wrong. But like that's the sort of situation you've seen before, and Reese has been in before, and has seen you know on the opposite side, and maybe you know maybe it wasn't uh, it wouldn't be as foremost in your mind as if you'd been on the wrong side of that, let's say. But that experience again, that's that's why he's there. And but it's I, even it's even like a really rare thing to happen when a ref is that quick, like a few seconds yeah. within could being taken down and eating a couple of normal shots, and the ref's like, "You got to move, you got to do something." He's like getting close. I'm like, "What the fuck is going on here?" This guy's really yeah. over eager. Like I've never uh, seen I've seen quick quick like a. Uh, Referee interactions like that, but never, never so quick that I can remember. Yeah, and I think Daniel Mavedi is a very, very good referee, and uh, I know maybe he saw something that we didn't see. Maybe he saw a shot that hurt Reese more, you know, uh, more, you know, more bad or whatever the word is that than we could see it at home. Maybe the the camera was cut off or something. So maybe there was a reason there. But to me, watching home, and I know we we didn't really talk about it before, but you agreed that it was one of those ones where. <laughs> It, there would have to have been something that we didn't see for it to, you know, for it to pan out that way. And I don't know, maybe there was a little bit of that throughout the night with a, you know, with, with a couple of different officials and things like that. And I know that Cage Warriors didn't have their, let's say, their A team. Now, Daniel Mavavi is part of the A team, so he would have been there anyway. So that wasn't the case in this. But they didn't have, you know, their their normal judges who we talk about. David Ledeby, Ben Carlage, and Darren Ransom and others. I don't think Darren was there anyway, but the other two certainly weren't there. And, you know, obviously Mark Goddard was over at Bellator the night before and yeah, so it didn't look it didn't actually turn out to be an issue. I thought Dick Larkin and Peter Lavery and all did actually did a very good job and then Mavedi did a good job as well, apart from that one thing in my opinion, but that, that is a thing that, that didn't happen. But anyway, back to the fight. I, I think look, Reese got through it and he needed to and I, I definitely I do definitely think that that warning for him to move in that position put him into a worse position and got him caught. Oh, definitely, definitely. And it, it was... I actually don't think I've seen anything like that in MMA in a while. And that, that's one thing I'm very, like... Uh, I, I don't like referees talking too much. And I think this is a thing that Mark Goddard used to do an awful lot back in the day. And I think he's improved an awful lot on it. Is talk almost almost coaching lads through a fight. Yeah, I was just thinking that. It's like rugby. It's like <laughs> yeah. rugby where the, the ref starts uh, rugby uh, rugby scrum and the ref starts telling them how to scrum. It's like, don't tell them how to scrum. Just let them at it. Penalize them if they do it wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, let them at it. If you need coach. To, <laughs> look, if it's very bad, obviously, warn them, go, you have to move, you have to move. But this wasn't one of those situations. He was in a bad you know, he was in a bad pace. He was getting mounted or almost mounted or whatever. Absolutely. But let him get mounted. Let him take those few shots. Let the fight almost be over before you're given that warning. If he's just moving into mount, sure, maybe he'll do nothing. Maybe Reese will get out of it. Like, But anyway, maybe we're, we're solving that too much. But it was a big change of the fight because that cut was major. Shout out to the cut. Uh, I, I don't know if it was the, the cut. There was, I know there was the cut woman and the cut. Um, Joe Clifford was there as well. Whoever was there with Reese, they did a fucking fantastic job because it, it, it blessed. 
bled a little bit, but it was so. I, I was. Uh, I, I couldn't was, believe how little it bled. I was yeah, like, I mean, either. Every time he got touched, I was expecting. Yeah. Like, there was one stage where he was going to. Burlington was just kind of rubbing his hand in his face on the ground, and I was like, oh, that's probably going to make a bleed open up, but it, it didn't. Uh, yeah, it was just a really good job, or, or, or lucky, or both. Yeah, they, so they did a yeah they did an absolutely fantastic job there. But um, Reese came back from that, and it was a it was it was a close you know it was a close first round. Um, and I, look, it was it was on those fights, and the UFC fight probably put it the same way, where it was it, it was such like a, a kind of a back and forth of madness. It was a hard fight to even score. I would need to go back and watch again, but it doesn't matter because the fight ended in the third round, so I don't need to score it. Thankfully, uh, but once the fight got to the latter stages of like the second and into the, the third, I think Reese, that heart, that cardio, that ability to keep going just took over. And then when he landed that power shot, that left hand inside, you know, I talk about heart, but that left hand was pure technique and pure ability and pure. It was, it was, it was and it was a fast one as well. It was one of those ones where you barely see the opening, you throw it and you land it. And that comes down to the amount of sparring and the amount of training and everything he's done. And he did land it with the, you know, that, that land that, that jab slash left hook kind of short left hook inside and uh, put Burlinson down and put him out. And, you know, Reese took a lot of shots in that fight and he has an unbelievable chin. Like, he has an unbelievable chin to get through all of that. There's there's no doubt about that. You know, we talk about going out the lightweight uh, and, and coming up the welterweight and that coming up the welterweight has definitely helped Reese McKee and his ability to take shots is was unbelievable. How, how did you, you know, maybe you have a more clear and concise breakdown of the fight than me because I was just, I kind of lost it a little bit in this fight because you know what, I'm a fan of both of these guys, that Reese McKee and Justin Burlington and I, I couldn't help but kind of stand up and give him about a bit of a clap from the from, from the sitting room afterwards because it was it was such a fucking war I, I assumed you enjoyed it as much as I do yeah I really enjoyed it it was it was absolutely brilliant like you know you can't take anything away from from the fight like I think even the the criticism we're having of the referee probably kind of hired the intensity of the of the fight you know it probably would have been uh, wouldn't have been such a fast-paced kind of high velocity fight if if that kind of if the ref hadn't been so over eager, maybe so maybe that did help us you know, for uh, for it becoming like a classic classic fight we'll look back on and remember as an as an all time classic probably going forward. Like it's hard to it's always hard to judge like right after uh, when people say, "Oh, where do you put that UFC in terms of UFCs or whatever uh, of of all time?" But uh, yeah, that fight was like really enthralling and it was back and forth and it felt like it felt like either guy could win at any time and. You know, that was proven in the end when, you know, kind of uh, Reese landed that kind of down to straight down the pipe and folded him. And, you know, uh, you could see that the crowd were really into it. It was a huge reaction. It meant so much to Reese. Obviously, you know, uh, Reese is kind of, we talked to kind of at length about his unlucky kind of to be cut from the UFC like before. But, uh, you know, this fight against Berlinson was was a UFC caliber fight, in my opinion. And I'll probably we'll probably see Berlinson in the UFC in the future as well. So, you know, don't take anything away from him. He's only he's only eight fights into his career. And he's coming up against somebody like Reese McKee, who, you know, most people would agree should, probably should be in the UFC. And uh, it was it was a really great fight. And uh, yeah, it's one you definitely watch again. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and shout out to both lads for uh, for entertaining us in such a brilliant way and showing uh, such fucking skill, heart, determination, all of that. We had it all in that fight, the fight of the weekend blood for and me. Guts. <laughs> yeah, blood, exactly, blood and guts. It was, it was absolutely 
absolutely astounding and absolutely brilliant and fair play to him and you know this card overall was very very good unfortunately I would have killed her being there but I couldn't in a family occasion this weekend so I couldn't uh, be there and obviously you Dorona as well so you couldn't be there do you know what thank god for Andrew McGann he was he was able to uh, he was able to to go it was just it just turned out to be the worst weekend for all the Severe May crew but Andrew stepped up to the mark and he did uh, an absolutely fantastic job so check all his stuff all his interviews out uh, over over on uh, on our YouTube and yeah, still wearing that red and black still uh, wearing it <laughs> and the interviews were brilliant I must say they were shot very well but also the content of them was absolutely fantastic so check all of them out and I can't believe Cage were just still not interviewing people in the cage afterwards how did I not interview Reese McKee yeah, in front of up. the fucking Belfast crowd after the Northern Irish man like him had just, just won a major title and they're not interviewing him in the cage ridiculous but yeah, they did loads of things great like you know the match making is great the yeah. points were great the pacing was brilliant, brilliant. You, know, yeah. you know but just that's a one little thing that would make it in my opinion a lot better yeah and I understand like during the pandemic and stuff they couldn't do it because you didn't want to be in the cage and all absolutely no problem but my god get even if it's just like you know the, the co-main event and the main event or something you know yeah. even just the main event title yeah. fights yeah just get it they have to be do you know what Andrew McGann's available there get fly that man over for every uh, every event put him in there in the cage and have him interview the, the, the co-main event and the main event afterwards yeah you could even run Brad in there real quick he'd be Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's run through the rest of the car because we have a lot of uh, mixed martial arts to talk about today. Uh, Kaelin Lochran against Festus Sorolo. His interview with Andrew was actually really, really good. And uh, I don't know, I saw something out of him in that interview maybe I haven't seen before. He's confident. And it's something maybe you see in a fighter after a big win that you, maybe you don't see beforehand. Although he's plenty of confidence beforehand as well. But it, it just seemed more logical confidence here, if you get me. I don't know. But uh, he was talking about how he was setting up shots and... Uh, you know how he how he looked at someone say like a John Jones uh, and how he uh, details his opponents which is something I obviously lo- I love myself while looking at fights before and then thinking who will win and he seems to be someone like that too who just loves to break uh, guys down he talked about fighting a few cans and the reason he did that was just to get a bit of experience because he was up in his level inside the gym rather than in fights in say in somewhere like a cage or just somewhere like that just getting that little bit of experience and you know what I, I've kind of I know a lot of people are anti that, but I really think that's a good way to go. I really, really do. And me, I know a lot of people disagree with me. A lot of people calling me a fucking idiot and all. Uh, Andy Stevenson will get me his notebook out about it, can crushers and all of this. But I, I think he's six fights into his career now and he's had two very legitimate fights in his last two anyway and beat two guys so it's not as if yeah. he's, and gone, he's worked his way it's worked you know, he's yeah. worked his way into a co-main event in the big cage warriors card and he's got a really impressive performance big win finish you know it's <laughs> you know he, he's not going to be looking back and saying oh I should have done it differently he's going to be delighted with how this has turned out so you can't really argue with the with the results as long as they yeah. as long as they continue and I think his win as well was massive for this card because if he hadn't got this and James Sheen is what we talk about in a second with, along with Reese's KO three KOs at the very top of the card if it had let's say one or two of them had lost or if there had been a couple of boring decisions or something like that a lot of people probably would have been saying like we were saying before and ah where was Paul Hughes where was Joe McCulgan where was these big fights where's coming out of it everyone's thinking oh fuck me what a great card look at all those unbelievable knockouts and uh, you know all those unbelievable fights so I think Kenan Locker and James Sheehan, Reese McKee have uh, should be getting a bit of a, a bonus maybe from uh, <laughs> from Graham uh, over in Cage Warriors after after this. But Lochran, like I, I really, 
I really love his game. He's a different sort of fighter. And maybe I understand after Andrew's interview a little bit now why he fights the way he fights. And that kind of staunch wait for your opponent to strike, step back and counter game with his unbelievable... I'm really impressed by his wrestling and his grappling. Just really, really good stuff. I, I think Kellen Ockren is one we need to be keeping an eye on. Very impressed with his performance. Where, where, did you in, uh, did you enjoy it, Graham? What do you think of him as a prospect? Yeah, I thought he looked really good. Uh, as I kind of mentioned earlier, I, was, I had the Lee Hammond fight on as well, and I was kind of looking back and forth. But, you know, everything I did see, he, he seemed to do it with, like, technical... Like you know, he he wasn't he wasn't just uh, powering his way around. He seemed to be a very technical fighter all around. He seemed to be able to mix it up well, and obviously he looked really strong in there. Um, and you know he looks he looks like he means business. He's not messing around, and uh, you know he's moved to six and zero now. He, did, he didn't take much damage there. Uh, um, I don't know if he's, what he said to Andrew. I can't remember uh, exactly about getting back in there, but I think he's looking to get back in there uh, quickly again, if if I remember correctly. So. Yeah, uh, really good performance all around. And, you know, he's answered kind of, you know, some of the critics there with that performance. But uh, I'm, I'm sure he'd be looking up the division and the tests are only going to get harder. You know, with Cage Warriors and Ian Dean, there's no easy matchups. If you've, you know, it doesn't matter who you fought before, you, Ian's going to put you in there with, with people who he thinks uh, is, is, an even, is an even matchup and an exciting fight. So, uh, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to his next fight. And uh, he's kind of, He's, in my view, he's kind of proven himself as a as a prospect. A hundred percent, yeah. And he was talking about uh, he's looking for lads in the bantamweights in the UFC, not bantamweights in cage or such. I, uh, and he meant it like, which I kind of you know I like. So some people say that, and they're you know they're they're shy talker, but he meant it, and it was a very good performance and a very good interview afterwards. And he's good on the mic, good in the uh, in the cage. What more do you want? Kellen Ackerman emerges a bit of a star here. James Sheen, honestly. Remember, Graham, years ago we talked about Reese McKee and I remember I kept saying how calm he was and how relaxed he was in the cage. James Sheehan to me showed that last night. God almighty, he was... I I don't think I've seen a better defensive display out of an Irish fighter with, what, six, seven fights into his career than, than James Sheehan showed in this. I could not get over how good he was. I knew I knew how good James Sheehan was. Obviously seen, you know, all of his fights, I think, at this stage. Um... But the defensive ability here, and he did get caught with one shot towards the end of the, the first round, but he kind of he recovered from it. He wasn't massive or anything like that, although Martin Cause, but fair play to him, he did hit him, uh, he, he did hit him pretty hard at one stage, but his ability to defend all of those shots, come back, land lovely combinations, lovely shots the whole way through, power in his hands. Uh, honestly, I, uh, <laughs> I think James Sheehan, do you know what I, do you know what I thought, right? Uh, what I was thinking was like uh, Redzer, um, Neil Siri, and all them boys, they crawl so James Sheen can run. You know, that, that was my talk coming out. I was like, this guy is, re- I think he's benefiting from the experiences that those lads have had and that they can teach him in the gym and bring him to the next level. You know, obviously Redzer was on the commentary, but uh, uh, Neil Siri was there and, uh, you know, Andy Ryan as well. well he wasn't there, but he's, you know, he's, uh, he's coaching him as well. The experience all those lads have had and the kind of the, you'll be able to say it better than me, Graham, but like the, the wise heads in them, I suppose, with, with a bit of messing as well. I think it's helped James Sheehan. And I think when you see the path that those lads have taken and you know that path is there for you as well, and you've had the tough fights and you've had the couple of setbacks and a couple of losses to come back and to perform as well as you could. Like, I, I, honestly, I, and I, I haven't been saying this recently that much, 
uh, about like making calls or anything like that. But I think James Sheehan will end up in the UFC. I really do. I think he was that good last. I know Marin Calls might be the best fighter in the world, and uh, you know maybe they probably would have wanted to match him against someone else. Maybe I don't know what happened, but this performance from James Sheehan was just so crisp, concise, and good all around that I could not but be excited about this one. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, I totally agree with, with all what you're saying. I think uh, each fight, the, the last the last two fights, he's just come on leaps and bounds. He seems to have gotten much more confident. He's so composed in there now. Like we've seen him in the past be able to kind of make it scrappy and make it difficult and do all do all that kind of nasty stuff. And we know he can do that. But now we, we also know when he's shown that he can do everything, you know, he, he can grapple, he, he can wrestle, he, he can strike, he's, he's, he's calm, he's composed you know he's he's getting better fight to fight and he's still he's still young in his career you know he, he's had an extensive uh uh amateur background and you know a successful one beating like you know fighting people like kieran clark and marcin dembele and you know uh fighting like you know the top level fighting in the imma imamaf uh, world championships you know that stands to you like that 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 experience stands to you and it gives you confidence that you can go in there with, with, with good guys, you know, and he, he's shown that like uh, throughout, throughout his amateur and pro career. And obviously, as you mentioned, it's going to be big step ups in, in cage wires and in, if, he go, if he goes on to the UFC like you're predicting. But, uh, you know, from what we've seen and from the progression he's made fight to fight and the, the confidence he seems to, to, to have now, the composure just the all-round game seems to be developing at a, at a really rapid rate and if he continues like that you know the sky's the limit for him and uh yeah i'm really interested to see who ian dean puts him in there with next uh you know i'm sure ian dean's uh very impressed with what he's been doing recently as well i wouldn't do you know what it's probably too quick and ian dean probably won't do this but i i wouldn't mind seeing him fight justin burlinson five and two against seven and two uh, maybe maybe yeah, a bit quick, a bit quick isn't it i'd like to uh, you know what i wouldn't mind seeing him fight reese mckee down the line as well that that'd be a fun fight and you know man okay maybe i'll go full irish mma fan here and go like let's keep the two irish lads apart in, in this one but god I, I was i was so impressed by james sheehan and you know I remember talking to Ian Gary about James Sheehan after that fight at one stage, and he was saying uh, how good James Sheehan is, and maybe people not realizing it. And he, you know, Ian he got injured in that fight early as well, didn't he? And still won the decision. I think that shows Ian Gary's level at that stage. But uh, you know, that was both of their first fights, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe James' second fight was it or something like that. It, it, it's um, him fighting Gary, fighting you know the Matt Bonner as well, wasn't it? The other Cage Warrior champion. Those sort of things can only bring you on and. Wins like this can only bring you on as well. And from move to what was he? What was it? Was he two? Was he one and two in his career or two and two to move now to five and two? Yeah, he was one and two, and you know, four in a row now. It can really go either way at that stage. Like you can lose confidence. The pressure can be on, but he's really you know showing his class, and you know he looks to he looks to be developing rapidly. And uh, if he continues to do that, then you know. The first, uh, the first severe MMA sponsored athlete as well did us proud. Severe MMA one and all in the in the Cage Warriors cage. So it was it was yeah, great to see the, to the logo put it, there. Put it uh, big and big on the t-shirt and big on the the shorts and got yeah. the job done. Did us proud. Indeed, hundreds. <laughs> and look at something we're going to try to do. Maybe a year, maybe once a year, maybe even even twice a year. And we want to get the people on Patreon involved as well. And you know, the more people that sign up and better, not to you know not to go oh, sign up and we give people money, but we, we want to do it one time where you know, let's say someone's fighting in the month of May everyone that signs up in the month of May all that money from people that sign up 
go to the fighter. So you get a month for, of Patreon and all the money you you know the fiver you give goes to the the, the fighter. So if fifty people sign up. 250 quid will go to the fire as well as the money we'll give him to like like James Sheehan this week uh, we want to do something like that we tried to do it before we couldn't do it with this one because it was on too short notice but I think I think that's something that I would like to do you know if I wasn't part of Severe Mayor part of the Patreon or whatever I would like to like side up give a fiver towards a fighter and if everyone you know if a few hundred people did it you you know feel free to, to cancel afterwards or whatever we, we, let's organise that for the next time maybe next time Cage Warriors come back or whatever we pick out a fighter maybe it's Ken and Lochran maybe it's Ryan Shelley maybe you know maybe it's Lee Hammond maybe whoever it might be um, I, I, I want to do that again and I want everyone to get involved and, and make it bigger and better so uh, I'm glad that Jim Sheehan absolutely one of the guys that deserves it coming up and if we, any little bit of help that we can give back to Irish MMA fighters I'm proud to do it and I'm, uh, I was delighted to see the, the emblem there last night and congrats to James Sheehan and all that right let's uh, enough fucking whacking ourselves off here <laughs> let's move on the Pasquale Hardwick fight went to a draw very good fight congratulations to both guys what about Ryan Shelley and Matthew Elliott Graham how'd you score that one yeah, I actually thought Matthew Elliott won it. Uh, you know, it was really close to the second and third rounds, and you know, uh, it was really good corner advice. I think from Chris Fields when he was uh, when Shelley was on his back just to keep throwing the elbows because he was landing them. But I I didn't think it was going to be enough. You know, I thought it was. I thought Elliott had done just enough, but I I did think you know these rounds are really close. These are a lot closer than people are going to think. These the second and third round, and uh, yeah. Uh, I was a little surprised, but I wasn't. I wasn't too surprised. Maybe I was a. Li- I was more surprised by the thirty twenty seven. Once the thirty twenty seven was read out, I thought, "Oh, this is going to be Elliot." When it was twenty nine twenty eight split, I was like, "I was like, fair enough." But then with the thirty twenty eight, I did think. I did think Elliot was gonna was gonna get the decision, but uh, you know, uh, Shelley did like you know close the the body triangle on the bottom and land some decent elbows, but I didn't. I didn't see anything of huge impact, and maybe I missed. Maybe I missed some big shots that the judges saw. Um, that maybe some of those elbows did have like a you know sometimes when you're cage you can hear the kind of the noise of a of a shot really sinking. Maybe they heard that and we didn't. So maybe maybe that was what swung the fight. But uh, I personally thought that Elliot was going to get his hand raised. So the judges had it. Paul Barton had it. Uh, twenty nine twenty eight for Elliot. He had the first two rounds for Elliot and the third for Shelley. John Hand had it. Twenty nine twenty eight. Shelley. He had the first round for Elliot and two and three for Shelley which you know you kind of alluded to there two and three were close and obviously Mike Williams uh, had all three rounds for uh, for Adam Shelley uh, look the one major thing I would disagree with there is the first round I thought Elliot did more than enough in that first round he landed one big elbow yeah, that, no, that's what I said yeah 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 uh, the first round the second yeah. round and the third round I think yeah yeah I know yeah, yeah I agree but it, that the, the third judge had the, the one thing I would disagree with in the oh, judging okay, cards yeah, sorry, the, sorry, the sorry. judge that had all three rounds because I don't think Shelley won that that first round whatsoever uh, yeah I had Elliot I, I think I gave the second to Shelley and I gave Elliot the, the third as well um, two and three were very very close so I, I would agree with what you said there and that was my thought last night after the fight as well he did well on the ground on his back but I didn't think he did well enough like in that position and you know maybe this isn't exactly by the rule book of judging and I'm you know want to always go by the rule book of judging but when you are on your back like that and being held down and a guy on top landing a few shots it's not to be just even. Uh, I don't know, but was he being held down? No, no, he put thing, on the but, body triangle himself. Yeah, but you know, uh, yeah, no, yeah, true. But to be just ahead in that situation is, 
almost not enough, I think. You have to you have to be a good bit ahead. And not not you don't have to land, you know, a hundred shots more than your opponent or anything, but you have to like be significantly ahead to be winning but there. One hard elbow, like uh, he didn't land that though. I didn't see that. Could have done it though. I didn't see I, that. I either. agree as well, but, yeah. One hard elbow. Like if he landed literally one hard elbow in that second and third round, I think absolutely I would have been scoring all those rounds for Ryan Jelly myself because Matthew Elliott just didn't do that much on top. But the the difference here between this fight and some other fights where you score the fight from the bottom is the guy on top does very little and the guy on bottom does a lot. I didn't think Shelley did a lot. And I know he did say, and, uh, you know, he held him in with the, the body triangle and everything like that. But And he was landing some shots, but I didn't think there was anything massive there whatsoever. I was... It, look, it was one of those fights that looked really aesthetically bad <laughs> by, by the judges' scorecards because Elliot was kind of holding him down and dominating the fight, if you want to put it that way. But I have no problem whatsoever with a 29-28 Shelly. The first round wasn't, you know, it wasn't a blow away by any means by Matthew Elliott, but I thought he landed some good ground bound in that first round. But look, do you know what? Overall, I scored it for Elliot, and it, it might so if Matthew Elliott's listening to this, he'll probably give out to what, me about what I'm saying next, but... I like fights scored like this, to be honest, you know, even though I disagree with it. And I, did, I don't think it was the right way. If more fights were scored like this, where it is, the guy on the bottom, where they are looking at shots landed more so than the position, I think that's a good thing for MMA. So I'm not going to complain about this too much. But if you're a match yeah, but Technically, I think by the rules, I think... She, uh, Shelley, he needed, he needed one kind of big, yeah. impactful elbow and not just like a series of kind of softer, not soft, but like light or medium, not huge elbows. But, you know, as I said earlier, maybe there was one or two in there that we, that we missed that sounded a lot harder than, than they looked from whatever angle or the camera was changing at the time or the, the wrong angle on the fighters on the ground can on the camera can happen sometimes. Maybe that happened. But, yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely agree that the first round, the 30-27 was, was uh, a bit of a rogue uh, scorecard. But, yeah. you know, she- Shelley, uh, you know, obviously he'll take the win and there's loads of things to go back and work on. And it's kind of perfect for him, you know. Uh, he, he, he keeps his undefeated record uh, with, a, with a win here and has a load of things to go back and work on. But for Elliot, you know, he's just got to be a bit more active. Like, he did have the opportunities to to be more active on top and to, to make, sure to, make sure of those rounds and... You know, he'll definitely learn from that as well, and he won't be making that mistake again. 100%. Uh, let's talk about Adam Shelley. So, we you know we had the Martignoni win over Scott Malone, pretty unanimous there. Uh, we had Big Mike as well, getting a massive knockout in 30 seconds over Glenn Irvin. Uh, anyone who's listened to the podcast with Jake on him uh, knows all about Big Mike, great stuff. But Adam Shelley, James Power fight. Uh, you know, watching James Power before, and he had only fought cans up until this point, but. I could see in those fights, even though he's fighting lads who are not no good, this guy is legit and he's a really good prospect. And he showed that here against Adam Shelley. You know, the two Shelley's known for their striking prowess. But this was, you know, this was like the Taekwondo striker against the real striker, if you want to put it that way. And I've, I feel bad about saying that because I think the two Shelley guys, brothers have really improved. And obviously, you know, Ryan has gone on to become 5-0 and, oh, and Adam's a 2-2, two and two, but he's he's not a guy I'd lose hope. And I think he'd come back. But I think, you know, once it, you kind of threw this spinning back kick to the body and I'm like, you're in a real fight here. You can't be throwing that sort of thing. Like, you know, James Power was coming forward, throwing hard kicks to the body and the leg and, you know, landing some big shots and he was able to get the finish. Uh, towards the end of the of the second round and you know this 
this is a very, very, very good prospect and it may be unfortunate for Adam Shelley to meet someone this good at this stage of his career. And I know they're both only four fights in, but I think James' power is is well ahead of where Shelley is right now. Not to say Shelley can't get there and won't improve again, but I was very, very impressed with him. What, what did you think of this one overall, Graham? Yeah, I thought Power was able to mix it up really well. As you mentioned, he he, he wasn't just uh, headhunting. He was working the body, working the legs. He was mixing it up. He seemed to be comfortable, composed. Uh, Shelley, I think, I think he got a little tired, or maybe maybe the body shots were taking it taking it out of him. And uh, yeah, he was making some kind of bad decisions in there uh, towards the end. But you know, he was trying to make something happen, I suppose. And it was, the fight was going against him, and you kind of you kind of maybe have to do something different. But uh, yeah, I think James James Power. Looked, looked like he was more experienced looked like he was kind of as you said kind of further further on the path uh, in his development uh, than, than Adam Shelley so uh, yeah definitely Adam Shelley definitely still has a lot of a lot of uh, you know uh, a lot of future ahead of him and I'm sure he'll go back and look at this and improve but yeah James Power definitely you know uh, looked really good you can't take anything away from him he, he did the job really well he, he looked he looked good in all aspects and you know this was a this was a step up for him, I suppose. You could you could say like you know he's fighting guys who were zero and two and zero and zero and zero and two before this, uh, and he went in there and looked good. So I'll be interested to see uh, his next fight as well. And he definitely you know for some somebody so early in his career, he definitely looks uh, more polished than you would expect. Hundred percent. Open up the card, then Adam Darby making his pro debut. You know anyone in the Irish MMA scene has known the name Adam Darby for a long time. Coming out of Team Rhino, the next guy coming through, and you know haven't gone back and watched a few of his fights. He hasn't fought in a while because of the pandemic and all of that. But I was like, mm, maybe this, maybe he's been hyped a little bit too much. And he came in here and he had a rough enough start, you know. And I watched some uh, a couple of Dorian's fights, and this guy can hit, and he he's not a bad fighter at all. And he was two and one, you know, that extra bit of of experience and you know it was a good start for him and then Adam Darby hit him with that upkick and then everything changed because he Doreen never recovered from that even though the fight went down probably another what two and a half or three minutes or whatever it might have been I was so impressed with the pace that Adam Darby kept there and the calm as well I know I love that word calm today but his calm and his technical ability when the fight went to kind of a mad stage where a lot of people probably would have rushed that finish and especially when you're a yeah, big tall absolutely. guy like that got inside and probably got clinched or maybe taken down but he yeah, kept especially him. in your pro debut yeah. you know you're making a pro debut in cage where the crowd is screaming and he just kept his composure perfectly yeah and that's the sort of thing as well that will benefit you in that area but it'll also benefit you you know, we, we see fights all the time where guys, oh, look, he needs to keep him at the end of the jab line combinations. And then 30 seconds into the fight, it's fucking clinched. And his opponent has over-unders and it's fucking five minutes of clinch work. I, I feel like that sort of performance from Adam Darby is something that will show him as he goes into his next couple of fights, you can do this and you don't need to be drawn into the, those situations because you have the technique to be able to stay away from that. And with his lint and his size at that weight class, it's very, very good. And do you know what? I was a little bit sceptical coming in. I won't lie. And I think I might have even said it on the preview show. I, I was like, maybe he's maybe he's too overhyped, Adam Darby. But what he did after that upkick, I was extremely impressed with. And uh, you can you can throw me on the Adam Darby hype train. You can, <laughs> I'm, I'm on it yeah. now. So. I think, you, I think you, you can like excuse the, the slow start a little bit, you know, three years out of the cage as you mentioned yeah, cancelled, yeah. pro debut there's a lot of pressure you know uh, it's a big moment you know you've you've been amateur you've had extensive extensive amateur career you've won a lot of amateur but it's different when you go pro um and obviously cade warriors big show in belfast all that stuff 
So yeah, I think you know he definitely didn't get off to a great start, but he 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 showed he showed composure. Obviously, landed that up kick was uh, was really nicely placed. That uh, turned the fight, and as as we discussed, he he kept his composure really well, and you know uh, showed he was a, a well rounded fighter uh, uh, as the fight went on and as he got the finish. So uh, yeah, uh, really good performance uh, by him, and uh, you know I'm sure. Uh, you know, he'll be looking to get back in there quickly after after being out for three years. I'm sure he's itching to raring to go again. Tell us what the Lee Hammond fight, Graham, before we, we uh before we move on here. I only got the third round of it. I I saw it there was yeah. a stream going around and I probably got the bad part of it to be honest. Yeah, because well, the first over. the first the first two rounds, I think basically uh, your man uh, Suvayev went, went for takedowns and Lee was uh, able to kinda do what he wanted and transition between he went for a few su- submissions but ended up uh, taking the back and transitioning between kind of uh, full mountain back and small ground and pound shots fishing for chokes and the, the round expired in the second round uh more of the same uh so his opponent Sofiev was kind of happy to go back into the grappling and Lee was kind of able to get the better of it and get on top and then in the third round uh Lee went for a takedown and um Sofiev landed in the legal knee uh, and uh, the ref stopped uh, the round, took a point, and uh, Lee took took a while to recover, but didn't look the same after when he came back. He looked kind of, I don't know, he looked a bit shaken from it, or there was definitely some uh, adverse effects from the knee, in my opinion. He was kind of more in survival mode uh, from then on. You, you obviously saw that round, or the second half of that round. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sylvia was kind of had him against a cage and was trying to flurry and trying to kind of land some big shots to get him out of there, but just couldn't quite land a big shot. Lee was just managing to avoid them mostly or take them on the hands or avoid them, half avoid them. Uh, and there was no big shot to put him down or for the ref to step in. But, you know, um, it, it did look like at one stage that Lee was in trouble. But, uh, yeah, he managed to kind of hang on and get the unanimous decision victory. The sort of fight that you need in your career, Graham, isn't it? Like that, that'll benefit him going forward. I said again yeah. earlier on that. Keep check. saying the same thing, but yeah, this, this, <laughs> yeah. This is like kind of the the team of the of the weekend for the Irish fighters. You know, uh, Lee's obviously you know <laughs> like like all these other guys as well. A lot of amateurs in the in the IMMAFs and you know has a lot of experience, but it's different at pro. And you know he's going in there against somebody six and zero. Uh, in a foreign country, you know, kind of prob- probably brought in there to lose, you know, the kind of situation um, that you're usually in. Uh, a guy who's, who's coming off a decision win over a nine and two guy, so you know, it's a definitely a step up for Lee. And it was, it, he was looking really, really good. Obviously, his jiu jitsu is on point, and he's been working a lot on his striking with uh, Phil Sutcliffe from Cumberland Boxing Club. And um, he didn't really get to show it in this fight. It was more because it was more of a grappling, um, more of a grappling fight, but. Uh, you know, uh, as you said, it, it'll definitely stand to him. And, you know, he overcame adversity and, you, you know, getting need illegally and having to uh, having to continue. Uh, maybe when you're not, you're, you're, not, you're feeling the effects of it isn't, isn't ideal, but, you know, he managed to, to get the victory and keep his uh, unblemished professional record. And, Indeed, yeah. It's a, it, it was a big time for Irish, I mean, obviously, Cajars and Lee Hammond. I think it's next week, isn't it? The Centurion fight is on, so Danny Nealon, or Danny McCormick, sorry. I'll, I'll continue to fuck that up. Uh, it took me long enough to learn how to say her name properly. Danny, Danny Nielsen, I think, <laughs> Danny, I think you'll find it is, according to Andy Ryan. And uh, Kiefer Crosby's back as well on that card. And Kiefer, I don't know, but he's a Poland on that one too much. But uh, yeah, uh, I just a couple more Irish people as well, maybe on that card. But yeah, anyway, that's a, a good card coming up. I, I believe it's next week. So I'll keep an eye out for that one as well. Um, 
let's run, we'll be here all day, lads, but let's run through quickly the PFL card. Brendan Lachnan, he, another, talk about gut checks again. He got his eye closed really badly, but he came back and he won the second and third round after losing the first. The doctor, like, wasn't even called in to look at his eye that was completely closed, which was mad. These fights on in Georgia, I think, you know, the PFL officiating is absolutely ridiculously bad. But anyway, Lachnan got through and he won the fight, but that eye was badly closed. And I uh, I hope it's not too serious because if it is, he could be out of the playoffs, which he did qualify for. But, uh, you know, a great win for Lachnan after that tough fight on short notice against Azohucic. His last fight as well, Roji Kuda, who almost beat him, it was it ended in the third round and Lachnan ended up winning the uh, the technical decision because, you know, I went to the, the cards, but Kuda showed how good he was in that fight and he won this fight by a knockout against Alejandro Flores, a beautiful knockout. And if you don't know Roji Kuda, you need to know him because this lad is really fucking good, really good. I'm massively impressed by him and he's a guy who I think is going to be around the scene for a long time because he has the ability to beat some of the best in the world, in my opinion. He's 11-3 and three now, but a very, very good fighter. Uh, Juan Adams as well beat Sam K there. He came in in short notice to win that fight. Uh, Lance Palmer beat uh, Shaman Morais via unanimous decision there. Dennis Goslav uh, beat Maurice Green. That was a pretty easy one. The Bubba Jenkins won by decision. Lots of decisions. Not the greatest card in the world here, honestly. Um, Ante Deja won as well. Chris Wade got to win. And then, <laughs> I suppose, the night of the underdog started because Clinton Abreu, Stevie Ray, Matthias Scheffel beat Fahea, Pettis, and Capilos. Graham, I assume you saw that Stevie Ray modified body lock, modified body triangle, and Anthony yeah. Pettis. Good stuff, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think Stevie Ray was saying it's like a modified um, twister. Yeah. Yeah, so, something, like that, yeah. something like that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it, it, it came out of nowhere for me. I, I wasn't expecting it. And, you know, Pettis seemed to be kind of clutching at his at his side or his ribs afterwards so uh, yeah it definitely definitely looked really painful and you know uh, if you don't know what the Stevie Ray obviously knew what he was going for and Pettis didn't, didn't seem to know what was going on and before he knew it he was stopping so yeah really 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 good from Stevie Ray the fight wasn't looking good for him before that but uh, yeah um, obviously a really good performance from like a career highlight from Stevie Ray it's a huge win for him you know Anthony Pettis isn't, isn't the fighter he used to be, but he's still a really dangerous guy. He's still a former UFC champion and a lot of respect on his name. And that's a, that's a huge win for Stevie Ray. Yeah, massive. And, you know, he almost got the submission in his last fight as well, did Stevie Ray. You know, we've seen Anthony Pettis before uh, tapped in a similar sort of way against uh, Dustin Poirier. So, obviously, Stevie Ray had done his homework, uh, planned this, and uh, executed it brilliantly. So, fair play to him and uh, a great win, a great win for him there. I suppose, like... That wasn't the most shocking the way he won, I suppose, was shocking, but it wasn't the most shocking win in the world. I think Stevie Ray is a very, very good fighter. But the main event was a very shocking fucking win to me. Like Matthias Sheffield came in his last fight, literally barely got touched, kinda of went over and got knocked out, and I was like, ah, this lad's no use. And anyone who listened to the podcast last week probably heard me saying it's it's gonna be a no contest, gonna be destroyed. I I actually said in the betting show that a six to one on was too small of a price for <laughs> recency <laughs> bias shows at you now. <laughs> and then he comes in here and he gets absolutely destroyed in a unanimous decision over three rounds. Uh, a great performance from Sheffield. Um, do you know what I think this may be short for Capilosa? He's maybe a little bit small for the division. I think Sheffield is a genuine heavyweight and Capilosa could probably get down to 285 or to, to one. Um, what, 205, sorry. Uh, but anyway, either way, that's why money making excuses there. A great win uh, for Sheffield and a great win for Clinton Abreu as well. Br- bringing down that hype train of hitting Fahea. 
Bellis Hordin on Friday night. Uh, this card had knockout after knockout after knockout. Uh, Rat Garbage Mandel Nalo got another win here with the early right hand knockout. Aaron Jeffrey, uh, good prospect coming through 12 and well, not a prospect, I suppose, 12 and 3. Now, Cody Law ended up losing the unanimous decision and he was one of our top prospects coming through. Do you know what? I actually haven't seen that fight. It's the first time hearing of it, so I'll have to go back and, and watch that one. Uh, Arya Stark won Sabah Hamasi with a massive overhand right knockout as well in his 27th fight. Anatoly Tokov, he's surely going to be fighting for a title pretty soon here uh, in Bellator. Him versus Johnny Eblen probably be a fun fight, actually. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, Katzengana looked very good against Pam Sorensen. I picked Pam to win that fight because I didn't think Kat had it anymore, honestly. But Kat looked fantastic in that fight. The only problem is she emerged from it injured again. <coughs> so hopefully that isn't a big one. You know, hopefully it's not an ACL or anything like that, but it looked bad. One of her knees was kind of cut. You'd get over that, no problem. That'll heal in a few weeks. But the other one looked like it was injured. So, um, yeah, hopefully it's not. Hopefully it's, you know, maybe it's something small or maybe it's a strain or a few weeks. But Kat's had very bad luck with injuries and her knees as well before. So, um Let's all hold our breath in that one. And if she does win it, she'll be, or if she does get through it, she'll be fighting Chris Cyborg, and rightly so. That is the fight to make there. Uh, Alexander Shabley then, you know, he just destroyed Bryn Primus, knocked yeah, him out. Win for him. Yeah, you know, former champion, you know, yeah. he, he made it look easy. He's a good fighter, though, Shabley. Anyone who's watched him, you know, I, I, Bryn Primus actually fought very well, I thought, in this fight, but he just didn't, he couldn't have enough for Shabley. Everything he landed, Shabley looked way more impactful than everything Primus landed throughout this fight, and he ended up getting the right cross, a few ground strikes, and that was uh, that. Was that. Then Lucas Brennan went to 7-0, and massive prospect coming through. He got the submission over Johnny Soto here. Uh, Killis Mata beat the, the ranked guy, Dan Moret, here in the United States. That was a very, very fun fight as well. Ireland's own Brennan Ward got the finish as well. KO against Cassius Kane. <laughs> Great weekend for the Irish. Great weekend for the Irish. And... Um, God almighty, what a fight between Magomed Magomedov and Enrique Barzola. Just the back and forth, Barzola stopping the takedowns, beating up Magomedov at different times, but he kept coming and ended up getting the guillotine choke uh, in the fourth round. Uh, Jesus, we had some fantastic fights this weekend. You'd almost forget about that one. It happened so long ago, but I'm a massive fan of both of these guys. Honestly, I think if I'm redoing Team Sheehan, I think uh, Barzola definitely be on it, but I love Magomed Magomedov as well. Um, and he's in that tournament now and moving on. And also in the tournament, moving on, Danny Sabatello beat Leandro Higo. Raffian Stotts came in afterwards and cut a fucking great promo on him saying he was boring and all of this. Uh, and he, it was a boring fight. It was a terrible fight. Sabatello, at one stage, he almost, you know, he almost got finished early in the fight. Uh, was it with a submission or something? I can't remember any of it, but uh, I think he got won one round. He looked like he was going well, but uh, Sabatello came back and he won. He's a very good wrestler and everything, but Stotts beat Magomed Magomedov and stopped his wrestling in his last fight. So I don't think he'll have... Uh, you know, I don't think you'd be worried about Sabatello, although you should be, because he is a very, very good wrestler, but he is your prototypical... Uh, he's probably the modern-day Matt Hughes, is probably the worst thing I could say about him, while, <laughs> while still being the best thing I could say about him, I suppose. So, yeah, that was uh, interesting. That's that's going to be a fun fight. I saw a few people talking about it, saying, like, this is the fight Bellator need to build up, and they really fucking do. That That is one that could catcher, capture the hearts and the minds of America, maybe. But uh, the main event in Johnny Eblen destroyed Gegard Mousasi yeah. beat him from pillar to post it looked so Easy. different to fight than I expected <laughs> um, Evelyn just yeah he, he was able to drop Mousasi he had way more success just he, he just looked 
all around better and it was just really surprising I don't like yeah I don't know if it's Eblin being way better than I expected it probably is that as well or Musasi you know being over the hill or having having a bad day at the office or, or something maybe a combination of both but uh, yeah this fight looked drastically different than I expected and Eblin just had his way I do you know what I'm not too surprised honestly by by this fight um coming into the the Vanderford fight I thought Vanderford could cause Musasi trouble with his wrestling and everything that haven't gone back and watched a lot of it obviously that fight was on in Ireland so I, I gave an extra bit of care uh to that one uh but going back watching Johnny Eblen the main reason I think a lot of people were kind of writing off Johnny Eblen is because he's maybe a little bit similar to Vanderford and Musasi destroyed Vanderford in seconds in his last fight. But in that fight, Vanderford kind of got a stinger early, was finished before the fight even started type of job. And I, I, I kind of said that in the preview and I said, there is ways to win here for Johnny Eblen and he showed it. And I think, do you know what? He showed more ways to win than even I thought in that preview. Because you look at Johnny Eblen, right? And I remember I watched his sixth fight. He's 12 now. And his striking wasn't great. And then I watched his fight two fights ago when he went 10-0 and against, I think it was, uh, what's his name, Chris Honeycutt or something like that. And his striking looked really Colin good. Colin Hookbody. Colin Hookbody. How did I get Chris Honeycutt out of that? Very similar anyway. Yeah, Colin Hookbody. Yeah, I watched that fight. And his striking looked just way superior. And um, in this one, okay, he didn't have to show loads of striking, but when he did, he did good. He did well. And his wrestling was just unbelievable. He took... Musasi down over and over and over. Musasi's one of these lads as well who gets so frustrated in yeah, fights. Yeah. I think I said that on the... I said there is ways <laughs> to win for Evelyn. If, if he can get Musasi down and frustrate him, he is kind of happy enough to lie with his shoulders on the, the canvas and just kind of complain. But... Uh, Definitely didn't expect it to be so easy uh, for Eblen if he was the win, but he, he went out there and, you know, he looked like a real prospect and just destroyed Musasi. Like, he, he, yeah. He, yeah. Bellator have returned, I said the other day, to their natural form with American wrestle boxers as their champions. You know, they have Ryan Bader, they have Johnny Eblen, they have Logan Storley, all pretty much the exact same guy <laughs> as champions. So, we were not too long ago, we were Cole like... Conrad and Ben Askren. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eddie Alvarez, Joe, Joe Warren. <laughs> Michael Chandler. Yeah, it's just, it's it's mad. But remember, like, not too long ago, we were saying, oh, it's just going to be all Russian champions in Bellator. But that has changed very quickly. You know, they still have a couple, obviously. But, and, and you know, Nimkov, a bit, a bit, have they called him just Nimkov? Who else is? They have, uh, obviously, Amosov is from Ukraine. And the three Americans. Cyborg is Brazilian. So, no, they only, do they only have one? Maybe I'm missing someone. But yeah, anyway, Sergio Pettis is still on Rafi and Stats as well. They're both champions. So yeah, no, I only the one Russian champion at the moment, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, in, in Nimkov. Or did Nimkov did Nimkov lose? Oh my god. No, he didn't lose. He, I don't know. Anyway, um yeah. Fair play to Bellator, fair play to Johnny Eblen. Great stuff out of him there. Right, let's talk about the UFC card. Oh god, we're an hour into the podcast and we're just getting to the <laughs> Last night's UFC. Um, let's run through quickly the undercard. Vanessa Demopoulos, probably one of the most unlikable people in all of the UFC, got another boring win here for Blatter. Mario Bautista got the rear naked choke against Brian Kelleher. Brian, 
you know, he'd be lucky, I'd say, to keep his job through one or two more. Uh, Cody Durden, JP buys another lad. What's he doing in the UFC? He's absolutely stone useless. Uh, good win there for Cody Durden. Uh, Sergey Morozov um, beat Julian Paiva. That was a good fight, the unanimous decision. Uh, Shailene Nordambeke uh, beat TJ Brown by unanimous decision in his 47th fight. Shout out to my guy Rob Sargent over in Sherdog for getting all those fights together. Uh, Carlos Ulberg, lovely left hook KO over Tafon and Chukwu serious power doesn't he yeah he does the only thing I would say he's only 5-1 and one, and it, at 205 right if you're a, a very good fighter like Ulberg seems to be you're probably going to get pushed with one or two more wins I would love to see someone like that be 10-1 and one before they got to this position in the UFC and then they're getting that push because it's it's tough you need that a bit of extra experience when you get there in the light division uh, like 205 and you know, maybe he'll get a couple of setbacks along the way and they'll, they'll do him good, but six fights in, that's dangerous. And now, not to take away from the winner ending, and, you know, I wouldn't be saying that if I wasn't impressed by it, but uh, I think that could be an issue for him. One person who certainly doesn't have that issue is Chris Curtis in his 37th fight, beat Adolfo Vieira, just kept stopping the takedowns over and over. I think, was it 0 20 he was for takedowns or something like that? Or maybe, maybe I'm thinking of a different fight. Oh, no, that was the main event I was thinking of, actually, yeah. But, um... Yeah, not not a great fight, to be honest. Just defensive, maybe, for the whole fight. But Chris Curtis did what he needed to do and beat Vieira. Jiu-Jitsu, once and for all, is dead. Uh, Umar Namagomedov then destroyed Nate Manus. I thought Manus would do yeah. a lot better, I to be honest. He, I said he'd destroy him. And he did. destroyed him you everywhere. Did. He even punt, punted him in the face. Yeah, the that was insane. <laughs> he, like, front-kicked him through his head. But it, was, <laughs> it was, like, it was different than one of... I don't know. Yeah. Something different to it. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it exactly. You have to go and, and watch it. He just kind of... Just whipped kind of, him it was like a yeah. whippy whippy heel or something it was insane I've, I've don't think I've, have you ever seen a kick like that before I don't think I have I don't think so it was a little different than what you'd usually see it was kind of like when you see to the body but it was straight to the face it was like a jab like a teep to the <laughs> That's, teep yeah. to the face a teep to the head, back of the head he just kicked through his fucking head that was unbelievable and uh, Umar and Magomedov and you know, he's 15 and all. Jack Shore He took next. it well, though. He took that punch in the face like it was, like it was nothing. <laughs> he took it very, very well. Yeah, Manus to be, and Manus is a good fighter, to be fair. And Jesus, Omar Namegamedov, that was different fucking level. And this guy is... You know, it's hard to believe this guy won't be champion very soon, like, to be honest. But uh, what a what a performance out of him again. Uh, Thiago Moises then got the rear naked choke against Christos Yagos. Uh, Josh Parisian beat the Parisian Alan Bado. Uh, good come from behind win there. Uh, Bado from Paris, France, France, Paris. I, I believe he's probably I, I, not I even it, from there. I thought Parisan was really tired when he was he was flurrying at the end of the round. He was looking at the ref. And it was like they were not yeah. big at all. He was like, come on, ref. <laughs> He can barely talk well, in his he, had more. He, 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 was, he was a dummy Fair play to him But uh, heavyweight MMA My telly literally turned off in the middle of this fight I don't know The remote was like up on my bedside <laughs> ladder I was like what the telly just turned off Anyway uh, Shavkat Rachmanov then God almighty this guy is a fucking animal Because this wasn't one of the fights where Neil Magny didn't turn up Neil Magny came and he was game And he tried to do all he could But he couldn't do nothing Shavkat was just too good, came in, beat him up, landed a few shots in the feet, took him down, destroyed him on the ground. I saw a few people saying it was a 10-8 in the first. I didn't think so necessarily, but it definitely a 10-9. Came out, destroying him again in the you second know, round. I, 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 I don't know if this is hard to say about Neil Magny, but I think he made Neil Magny give up. I think 
you know, two seconds left in the round. I think he could have survived, but he he knew he was going to lose. Um, you know, maybe I'm reading that wrong, and maybe it's a harsh thing to say, but you know, I think if if Neil Magny was more in that fight, he would have survived till the end of that round. Um, I wouldn't necessarily agree, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't poo poo your uh, your opinion there either. Like. I think if Neil Magny heard his corner roaring, and I think he was close enough to his corner, and they were roaring five seconds or whatever, and if he had heard that and then still tapped, yeah, but that's easy for us to say, fucking sitting here. But well, you heard a big clapper like a few seconds yeah, before that as well. Yeah. Look, maybe you didn't hear the clapper though. You're caught in a fucking guillotine by Shaq Matt Rachmanov. Like, to be fair now, to be fair. But uh, yeah, it, look, it's hard to know in that situation. We've never been there, never will be there. If you have that awareness of the time left, I'm sure if Neil Magny was there again and he knew there was two seconds left, he wouldn't have tapped, you know? But sometimes you have to tap in those situations. Although, you, I don't know. Yeah, it's look, it's, it's an easy thing for us to say. But I don't necessarily think that. I think he was caught in it for a good, like, 15 seconds. If he was going to tap, he probably should have tapped like 10, 10 seconds earlier, but he was probably saying, like, I'm in this too fucking much now. He has me caught. This is over. But when there's only two seconds left in the round, it's a very, very tough one. It doesn't look, it doesn't look great from your point of view, but I, I don't know. I wouldn't, I wouldn't personally say that about him, but I'm a nicer guy than you. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm just uh, protecting yeah. him. Uh, do you think Grachmanov is championship quality? Because I fucking do. Well, yeah. <laughs> Championship quality, it's hard, it's hard to be championship quality at welterweight when you're coming up against, True. you know, the, the upper echelon there. But he certainly made, you know, Neil Magny look like look, look like no problem to him. And, you know, not, not a lot of people have done that. And, well, we've seen Neil Magny kind of make bad mistakes and things like that and throw fights away or not turn up and stuff like that occasionally. But he just got completely out, outscaled and out, out everything in this fight. So, you know, that's, that, that's a pretty good marker. But as you look up to the very top of this division, you know, it becomes a lot harder. Um, I'd like to see him a couple more times against the, the people below just before I make a prediction on that. But I, I'm not sure he's going to have what it takes to, you know, beat an husband. A hundred percent. Yeah, it, I, it'll be tough. Like, Usman has some very good matches coming now with Shemayev and Rachman have as well. You know, for a guy who looks as as the rain pours outside here, for a guy who looks potentially unbeatable to have two animals like that coming who look unbeatable themselves, um, yeah, it, it's good to it's good to see. Um, before we get to the main event, Graham, let's tell you about our friends over at DraftKings, the calf slicer, the Peruvian necktie. There are tons of ways to come out on top on the octagon, and for UFC two seven six, there's one more with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. New customers can bet five and any fighter and get $100 in free bets win or lose use a promo code severe MMA whether it's Adesanya with a knockout kick or a powerful punch from Cannoneer you win no matter what and with DraftKings same game parlays you can turn another small bet into a big payday combine multiple bets like which fighter will win number of knockouts and more for UFC 276 you can place the same game parlay and if it hits you'll win double so download DraftKings King's Sportsbook app now. Use a promo code Severe MMA. Bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win and get $100 in 
and free bets no matter what. That's called Severe MMA this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes for more details. And Graham, coming into this fight, and coming into next week, we'll have a lot of bets, but coming into this fight, I think a lot of people were betting the underdog here, Matthias Gamrat, and uh, they won those bets. Yeah, maybe maybe some <laughs> judges were... Put, no, I'm only joking. <laughs> I, uh, we haven't talked about this off-air or anything, and I haven't seen your opinion on it. What's oh. your opinion on this fight? Who did you think won it? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was uh, like I thought it was pretty clear that uh, it was either a forty nine forty six or a forty eight forty seven. You know, uh, Gamrot just didn't do enough. He, he, like maybe in the uh, I actually had a forty nine forty forty nine forty six, but maybe in the fourth round you could you could give it to Gamrot, and the third round I think was Gamrot, but the rest of them I don't see how you can. Um, you know the grappling was was quite even, and there wasn't there wasn't uh, big shots being landed in the grappling exchanges, and on the feet, uh, I thought it was pretty clear to be honest. Uh, body work, head like headwork, maybe was was the one thing, but in terms of big impactful strikes, yeah, I, I was shocked with the decision to be honest. I think it was a really bad decision. Yeah, I uh, I didn't think it was a great decision to be honest. I had Saryukin winning uh, the first four rounds and. Uh, the fifth round gone for Gamrot. So here's how the, the oh, judges... I had the fourth for Gamrot, I think. Yeah, no, I had the fourth no, for No, the, the four was yeah. the one where Rachmanov knocked him... Or, sorry, um, Saryuka knocked him down. Oh, okay, well, so that was must the, have been the one. Sorry, yeah, yeah, it was I the third round you're thinking of. The third round was very close. Look, the first three rounds I thought were very close, honestly. Um, but all, look, all three judges had the exact same here. The first two rounds for Saryukin, the last three for uh, for yeah. Gamrot. Um and you know you can't argue with that consistency I suppose but I, I don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. I don't necessarily agree with it I thought the first two you know and uh, you know my guy uh, my guy Dan Tom I'm sure will be talking about the body work maybe not getting scored as highly but I, I in, to be fair I do think the body work in the first two rounds was the, what sets are you can apart and the, all the judges gave him that so I don't know it's, in this one at least maybe there is a wider point about that but in this one I do think they did score that do you know what? Maybe as the bodywork actually diminished a little bit, he got scored less for it because it wasn't. It, that was the most impactful thing he was he was landing in the in the fight. I I still think he was landing with the more damaging, impactful shots throughout the first four rounds. Yeah, I he actually like uh, noticeably hurt him. Gamma to the body, uh, so you yeah. with with body kicks, uh, you know. And in the boxing, there wasn't there wasn't there, like Gamma was landing some shots, but. Yeah, I didn't. Like, there wasn't anything big there that I saw to to like to overcome or to even even out the the body work and the just the the general the overall impact. Uh, yeah, there was two things I would say about that. Like if, fight, if this right? was the old scoring system, then yeah, Gamera wins yeah. this. But in the new system, I don't see how he wins this. There's two things I'd say. That, look, watching a fight live there is very different to watching at home, and the judging of the impact is very different. Cage side, I feel like it's better. So if it comes down to impact, and this was a fight that came down to to impact, but. It, that was more so in the first two rounds, I think, and they gave him to Saryukin, so we're in agreement there. Uh, look, the third was very close. I have no problem with all three of them giving that to, to Gamrat. I gave the fifth to Gamrat, so I have no problem with that. It comes down to the fourth round for me, honestly. And that... Did you notice in the commentary, when he got that big knockdown, all three people in the commentary desk didn't see it? 
And yeah. I, I wonder, was it one of those ones where just nobody saw it in the arena or something? I don't know. Because, but it, the, the two things I will say, okay, the, the first thing on the impact, the impact is different live when you're there. Maybe Saryukin in those la- latter three rounds didn't seem as impactful as it did to us watching at home. But the other thing as well, and I, I was talking to a judge about this, funnily enough, and they said it to me, when someone is going for the takedown over and over and over, and they don't get it, but then they end up getting one, sometimes that's actually scored more highly than a, a normal sort of takedown would or a normal top control would, even with a few strikes. And maybe there was a little bit of a case of that here, uh, but that would have been in the third round. And I think Why would that be scored like that? That shouldn't be scored like that. I know, but, you know, when you're just naturally thinking, like, I know it shouldn't be, but, like, that. I don't know, it just feels like an extra victory over the normal kind of victory a takedown would be in a fight like that. But having said that, that would have, that would have been in the third round, which I don't think anyone has much of a problem with. I, I still think Tsaryukin landed the more impactful strikes in the third round, and I definitely would have scored him the third round, but Gamrat did get a good takedown and did land some good shots on the on the ground with that. Uh, but yeah, and, and look, he won the, the fifth as well. So it, it, look, it's not, by any means, it's not a massive robbery or anything like that. And I, I did think Gamrat was, I, I thought Taryukum was slightly ahead in the fourth round, but it was very close apart from the knockdown. So like, if you didn't see that knockdown, which the commentary Absolutely didn't. It didn't seem that it. They're watching the replay. Well, saw back, yeah. yeah. Like it, look, I can see it. And look, uh, this is me being the chairman of the judges' union here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I scored it four <laughs> one. What I told you to say at the emergency <laughs> meeting. Yeah, yeah. I scored it four one for Saryukin, and I think this was one of those fights that you could maybe hold up as an as an example of the impact not scoring as much in rounds three and four. But it did in rounds one and two, which is weird. I would love to maybe speak to Chris Lee, Ron McCarthy and Sally Amato and see what they, they say about it. Maybe they will do that in the, the California call uh, next month and that'll be interesting to see. But look, let's forget about the judgment. I think we discussed that pretty pretty well there. What a fucking fight. What a fight. And we, we can't let that pass as well because sometimes we, we get, and especially me, and you know, I'm a big part of this fucking problem. So <laughs> Mr. We, Judges. Yeah, we talk too much about judging. But this was one of those fights where, uh, do you know what, uh, this fight and the Lee Hammond fight, the, the, the bit of it I watched anyway, do you know what, sometimes lads get into like a wrestling slash jiu-jitsu battle where it is mad scrambles on the ground and it's brilliant, and one guy ends up dominating that sometimes, right? And it wasn't necessarily the case here, but... That doesn't actually score that much for you, you know? You could have three minutes of scrambles, you're winning all those scrambles, and the lad gets up and he punches you once in the face, and he's winning that round. Even if you take the back and you you don't get anywhere near a rear naked choke, and then he manages to get up and he lands one nice body shot. (laughs) It's a lot of work for very, very little, and maybe that was a part of this fight as well, but the, the scrambles on the ground here, lads hitting switches, dipping out underneath when they're, uh, you know, when lads has have their back and just Gamrot in the first round to me, it was one of my favourite displays of any fighter this year, just in terms of like the grappling and the defensive wrestling. He just w- refused to like stop. He ref- and, yeah. and you know, which I had round, to was, which round was it where his leg was up in the air and he was punching him? Yeah, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, that was an impactful strike as well. Yeah, one leg and he hit him with three pretty yeah, big punches. And him like, oh, right, to let go of this. Yeah, and that's. I think that was in either the third or fourth round, and that is something that scores highly as well. So maybe that was a part of it as well. But yeah, 
uh, God Almighty, it was such a great fight. And uh, I, I think um, I think it was Conor Rebush said it well that, okay, Saryukin lost this fight, but he's only, what, 25, 26 years of age. Uh, 25 I'm just looking at it here this is uh, this won't knock him back too much I think I don't think the UFC and I don't think people in general will view this as like a massive career defining loss or anything like that he might even be treated you know but the UFC might treat him like he won this fight or yeah. put him in you know I don't think this is going to be treated like a loss because I don't think many people well, actually looking at the, the media scores there was some people scored it for Gamera but I think most uh, scored it for Sorry, uh, you can. So, I think he'll probably, you know, he won't be, he won't be set back too much by this. Indeed, yeah, uh, and what a fight, and an absolutely brilliant fight altogether. Uh, right, let's talk about next week. There is a PFL card first of all. Kelly Harrison now fighting. Caitlin Young, uh, which is unfortunate. She was supposed to be fighting Julia Bud. Do you know what? I still like that fight anyway. I know Caitlin Young is 12, 12, and 1, but she's a good fighter. And, you know, she beat your girl Cindy Dandoan not too long ago. She put up a good fight against Julia Bud. And I think she'll actually put up a good fight against Kayla Harrison, but Kayla will probably end up uh, winning that. And hopefully they can get the Julia Bud fight redone. I don't know what the crack is with the, uh, the playoffs now and stuff. Julia Bud's probably not going to be in them, but maybe next year or whatever. But yeah, it'd be good to see Kayla back again. Rory McDonald has a tough fight here against Sedabo C. He hits hard. He's big and tall for that division. Looking forward to seeing that. Ray Cooper, the third, needs a big win here over Brett Cooper. He lost and missed weight last time. So I think he's on like minus one points now. So he probably needs a finish there. Magomed, Magomed Karimov is back here after missing the first week. So he might need a finish as well to get into the uh, playoffs. He's fighting Joe Zeferina. Gerard Al-Shalawi, whose birthday it is today, as I see here. Uh, happy birthday to him. He's fighting Magomed Umalatov, who's 11-0 and in his career a really good fight as well in the women's lightweight division Lar- Larissa Pacheco against Gina Fabian uh, that should be an absolute banger Glesson Bow is back the only man to beat a Hall of Famer uh, Habib Nurmagomedov he's taking on Nikolai Alshakin <laughs> Marina Makatina against Abby Montez Abby Montez obviously best known for beating uh, Clarissa Shields Makatina went three rounds with um, Kella Harrison last time out and didn't get finished so fair play to her then we've Jindarova versus Zamagul Vanessa Mello who's obviously in the UFC she's fighting Olena Kolesnik who beat Montez last time out so fun uh, fun PFL card there um, and then we have the big one head over to DraftKings use the promo code Severe and may UFC 276 what the fucking card this is two championship fights on it Israel Adesanya versus Jared Cannon here for the middleweight title as I almost get a cramp in my leg uh, Max Holloway trying to get that title back from Alexander Volkanovsky we probably have a number one contender fight at middleweight as well Sean Strickland versus Alex Pereira Sean O'Malley getting the, maybe one of the first big tests of his career against uh, Pedro Munoz Brad Riddell against Jalen Turner. Robbie Lawler, the ex-champion, is back against Brian Barberina. What a fight there. Donald Cerrone is fighting Jim Miller. Uriah Hall, Andrea Muniz. Muniz should be right up there towards uh, being the next contender as well uh, in that division. Jess Guy is fighting Macy Barber. Brad Tavares is fighting Drickus Duplessis, one of the best up-and-comers of 185 as well. And Jessica Rose Clark against Ireland's own Julia Stoliarinko and Ian Gary. Fighting Gabe Green, 9-0, looking to go 10-0. To me, the toughest fight of his career. From top to bottom, every single fight here I'm looking forward to. And that's a rare thing in the UFC these days. What a card, Graham. Brilliant. Yeah, it's a really, really good card. Which fight Which fight are you looking forward to the most on the card? Uh, is it Ian Gary? Yeah, I, I, yeah. it probably is. This For is me, tough it is as well. Him, this, is a, this is a step up. This is a, good, this is a good test, you know. Gabe Green's a experienced guy, you know. He's been in the UFC... 
you know, a, a couple of fights now, what, three fights now. He's two and one in the UFC. He was on a good streak before that. It's definitely a step up for Ian Gary. You know, he's he's definitely going to have to 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 watch his p's and q's, as I say. But uh, I, I see him. I see Ian Gary. You know, uh, as a real prospect, he's really well rounded. Obviously, we've we've talked about Ian Gary for a lot of years and what he can do. And um, we 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 maybe haven't seen um as much of him in in the UFC. If he if he could have only watched him in the UFC, they haven't seen as much as of what he can do as as uh, people who've been following throughout his Cage Warriors uh, title run and all that stuff. But he 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 can do it all. You know, he's he's in a really good camp with a really uh, top level UFC fighters and champions and things like that. So he's going to be learning from them and. I'm expecting him to to continue to come out and look better and better uh, fight to fight as he as he did in the past, but kind of before the the UFC de- debut, it was obviously there was a bit of nerves there and a bit of a slow start and things like that. So, yeah, I'm definitely expecting uh, Ian Gary to, to you know face a tough test here, but to to have more than enough to to win it. But you know, he needs to be careful. He, he, he can't be messing around here. This is this is serious business now. This is this is actual UFC quality people. He's fighting he's fighting now. So. So uh, as long as he there's no messing around here, which I don't expect uh, there to be, I think, uh, yeah, this is a really exciting fight, and I'm really excited to see what Ian Gary can do. Yeah, I, I would say the exact same, and I think your point about there about no messing around, that's uh, 100% correct, because you can't go in there against Gabe Green and... Um, you know, expect it to be easy. And I think his last performance showed that Ian Gary is not the sort of guy to do that. And that last performance as well was a very mature performance. And one, I think that, as you said, people who've seen Ian Gary for a long time would have been happy to see. He got an extra 15 minutes. He showed maybe a different wrinkle to his game, that his technical ability to win a fight like that and stay safe was a very good thing. But then a lot of people in America, they were like, ah, Ian Gary, you know, he's only a hype train. He went three rounds with this guy. What's this about? Whereas, like, yeah, okay, you can say that, but what in, what are we really looking at here? Should we looking? Should we be looking at one fight by you itself? Know, people would say the opposite. If 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 he knocked out uh, Darian Weeks in in yeah. the first round, they say, yeah. oh well, like you know, he hasn't he hasn't fought anybody. What if he goes into the second or third round against you know this exactly. guy or that guy? You're like people are always going to look for for ways to kind of criticize. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I uh, I just think he'll need another performance like that here against Gabe Green. Like, the funny thing about Gabe Green is I went back and I watched his last fight uh, as well. It was against uh, Johan Lanes, I believe, the same guy who fought Justin Berlinson, funnily enough. And he got knocked down hard in that fight, but still he went on and, and he won it. And uh, they were talking about he had big problems with his eyesight and uh, he got that fixed and it was only in that fight where he's actually been able to, like, see properly. So... This, this could be a completely different fighter and a guy you don't have that much tape on at 100% to look at him, which is maybe a weird thing to say, but that could actually be true. So, like, imagine if you couldn't see properly and then you can for, like, the last year or whatever. Imagine the amount of improvements you'd make in your game. So that makes well, this... Well, we've seen in UFC history that actually not being able to see properly yeah, can, can take you from middling, middling <laughs> UFC <laughs> fighter to world champion. Just so, take, uh, take away an one, eye there. One eye is the way forward. <laughs> it, it is, it is. It is, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's a big fight for for Ian Gary Gabe Green can 
come forward. He's very elusive. He's not a guy that you can easily cut the cage off of. To do that, you're going to have to have a very good jab, very good forward pressure, make him pay for it as well. Um, maybe even throw in a few takedowns and things like that. But it's uh, definitely the toughest matchup for me of Ian Gary's career. Look, I expect him to come through it. I think he'll win the fight. But it's by no means a given this time, as, as sometimes it is with prospects coming through. He's 9 all getting that good push um, forward while not getting pushed into madness, you know, so uh, a lovely matchmaking, very fun, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Ian Gary, I don't know if I'll be talking to him or not, Graham, might be the first time I ever haven't interviewed Ian Gary before a fight, so that's, uh, it's a bit of a pity, but maybe I will, maybe I will, you'll never know what the, uh, you'll never know what the, the week holds, uh, Let's talk about the two the, the two top fights because we're obviously we're going to do the the main breakdown during the week with myself and Ian and uh, Spencer and Harry and I'm sure Harry Paul is already taking his notes here and he'll have ten thousand pages because you need them especially for the co-main event here. I spoke talking briefly to the lads last week and Spencer was kind of saying he reckons Jared Cannonier is a good chance here against Israel Adesanya. Went back and watched a bit of Cannonier last night and kind of the 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 uh, the low points between some of the fights. And you know what? I, I I don't know. Do I see it? You know, I, I think he hits hard and he's good all around and everything like that. But I just feel like I, I think he might be a little bit agricultural against someone as uh, as good as Adesanya who can keep you at the end of your jab. Like you need there's a technical. There's a technical gap. Yes, massive. The two of them, and it's just going to be too big to overcome. Like Adesanya is going to have to get overconfident and make a mistake for, I think, for Kananir to, to you know, get a finish, which is probably his most likely way of winning here. But I just don't see that happening. Like Adesanya picking him apart, uh, growing into the fight, maybe becoming uh, easier and easier as the rounds go on, and maybe he can get a, a TKO, or maybe he just wins a lopsided decision. That's how I see it going. Yeah, I think Kananir will kind of attempt to fall into a lot of shots and get past the jab of Adesanya and you'll just see Adesanya kind of walking past him and you'll see him doing like the the looking into the, the horizon sign with his hand over his eyes sort of thing and that's going to be worse and worse for Cannonier as the fight goes on if he wins this fight I think he really needs to win it early you know we said that about f- fights recently and we've been wrong but I don't think he can bring that power late against someone like Adesanya who will make him miss that much. He needs to not be made to miss early. He needs to land those shots early and get Adesanya out of there. Or, you know, get takedowns and take him down and take Adesanya's cardio away. Very, very hard to do. Adesanya has fantastic takedown defense against the cage. You need to be a very well-rounded fighter to beat Adesanya as Blahovic produced uh, or approved. You need to be a technical wizard and a very good wrestler as well. I don't think Jared Cannonier he's not a bad wrestler and he's not a bad striker, but he's not a technical striker uh, in the same fashion as a Blahovic or an Adesanya. And I don't think you can get past Adesanya's technical striking unless you are that. Uh, and I don't think the power will be enough. Now, maybe we'll maybe catch him with a big stri- uh, big shot and he always has a puncher's chance. Everyone in MMA has a chance. But other than that, I, I don't. I think Adesanya will win this one. Look, the Volkanovski-Holloway fight then couldn't be more opposite to that. You have these two massive technical wizards going against each other. I think especially Volkanovski, a really unbelievably beautiful technical fighter against Max Holloway, one of the most high-output, high-octane animals we've ever seen in mixed martial arts before. Hurt Volkanovski the last time Volkanovski was able to, to keep going and get through it again. It's a massive fight for Max Holloway. You know, he's lost twice to Volkanovski. If he loses again... 
you can't see him getting back to a title shot in, in a good while. He'll probably have to move to lightweight or something. If Volkanovski loses here, they might never give him a fucking title shot again because it's pretty clear they want to get Max Holloway back with that belt. Uh, no, nah, that's a bit tug of cheek. I know, but a great. Yeah, you're, you're probably right, though. You know, Volkanovski, for, for as much respect as me and you and people who follow the game uh, closely, give him, you know, he's not really. He's not really, you know, drawing the the outside attention uh, outside of the hard courts that I can see. So the UC probably would prefer a Max Holloway in there, and maybe that's why he is getting this this third title shot, you know, uh, or this third uh, matchup with uh, uh, Volkanovski for the title. So, you know, as you said, this kind of is make or break for uh, the featherweight title for Max Holloway, and this could go either way. You know, these are going to be. I expect these to be really, really close rounds. You're going to have to watch watch these really closely and. It's probably going to be a lot of debate over these rounds, and it's probably going to be a, a you know, a, a kind of um, argued decision. It's probably going to be one of those fights again because uh, these guys are both so technically good and such high output, and um, you know, maybe maybe one of them could get a finish, but I, I see it more likely as it being kind of back and forth, and maybe maybe there'll be a couple of clear rounds, and maybe there'll be a couple of really close rounds, and. It'll probably just it'll probably come down to you know one or two big strikes in in one round. That's how close I think these these two guys are. But I think yeah, if I if I if I had a free bet, and I'd probably just lean Volkanovski because he's able to get it done. You know, before he 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 has a great ability of just being able to do enough to win rounds, and that's 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 huge. Like you know, Max Holloway has as well, but Volkanovski's kind of had his number over uh, more of the rounds than Holloway's had his, but even though, as you mentioned, Holloway kind of did have him down at one stage, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard one to call. It's, it's, you know, it could go either way. It's probably going to be a close decision. Uh, do you know what? I, I agree with you, but I'm going to go out on a limb here. Right. And I, I, as you were talking there, I was just thinking, usually in fights like this, right. Where, there's a couple of close fights between two guys who are very, very well matched. And, you know, maybe there are some examples. I can't think of any examples at the moment, but it just feels like in my head, right, that someone pulls away in the third one. You know, someone learns more about the other guy in the first two fights and pulls away and ends up getting the victory. Now, you would think that would be Volkanovski considering he won the first two, although they were obviously very close and a lot of people think Holloway was robbed in the second. It was a very close fight. But you know maybe it's Holloway, but I don't know why. I I I I, um, I could be hundred percent wrong. Because all, all all evidence shows that this will probably be twenty five minutes and another very close fight again. But I I just I don't know something just came up on me there came upon me and I feel like someone's going to pull away in this fight and someone's going to win it. And I'm not honestly I'm not sure who that's going to be because look Volkanovski, he's just looks so phenomenal and he's in all of his fights, let's be honest, but he's getting better and better all the time. Like his ability to, as a smaller guy, to work like a big man's game and land those beautiful kind of low starting to high finishing jabs and coming in with combinations behind them while staying uh, defensively good, but being able to take a shot when he needs to as well. Whereas Holloway with that, uh, setting in that high output, high octane style where he's willing to take as many shots as he needs to take while still being defensively good as well to get to where he needs to get. To. It's just phenomenal. He's just a phenomenal fighter. Volkanovski is a phenomenal fighter. And it, look, 
it'll be another phenomenal fight. And this one, it almost can't disappoint, honestly. And you know, not not to put the uh, the kibosh on it or anything there, but I'm really, really looking forward to this fight. It's a fight I would have rather maybe seen in another six months or a year's time. Give a couple of the up and coming guys, uh, uh, you know, a bit of a chance. Considering Max Holloway has lost same toys, I know they're very close, but still, and all, I'll never complain about this fight. I, I, uh, I always wanted it. Maybe not wanted it immediately, but I always wanted it. And now that we have it, I think it's a little better. It's a little bit, you know, more exciting when it's not the main event. When it's under another big fight as well, when you have this fight, you know what? I think it should be the fucking main event. Why is it not the main event? Oh, this feels like a big card now, though. This feels it like is, yeah. you know, this feels like a big card. If you had if you had these two separated, you had Cannonier against Adesanya. You're like, ah, just Cannonier, where do you have a chance? But you have this fight as well, so you know. Uh, although people might say, oh, I've seen it twice, but you know, the both guys are so technical and so good that like you know. Who doesn't want to see it? Again? Doesn't want to see it well, again. This won't be the last time we'll see it either. I would su- suggest, especially if Holloway wins. Important to follow it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, poor old Aaron Lannan will be getting his, his title shot in twenty twenty nine. Look, uh, congratulations, lads! Fucking Mirsad Bechtel should be back and fighting for the title again. Jose Aldo will probably be next day. He'll come back up to what forty five. But anyway, uh, yeah, what a, what a card that is. What a weekend in the world of mixed martial arts last weekend. What a weekend coming up. It ne- it never stops. This world never stops. And it's it's draining, but it's fucking brilliant at the same time as well. And when you see lads like Reese McKee putting it all out there, when you see fantastic fights like Gamrot versus Saryuk, and when you see beautiful knockouts, beautiful submissions, when you have l- magnificent fights like Max Holloway versus Alexander Volkanovsky to look forward to, when you have up-and-coming prospects you like Kalen Lochran or Ian Gary or James Sheehan to look at, you couldn't be complaining about MMA. What a lovely sport we have. And it's a joy to sit here every uh, Sunday for usually an hour. We're an hour and a half now and talk about it. It's a, it's a pleasure and a privilege for us to be able to do it, Graham. So thanks to everyone for listening. And uh, Graham, let's send them all out with a quote for the week. Go on. Two jumps in a week. I bet you think that's pretty clever, don't you, boy? <laughs> we'll see you next Sunday or Monday or Tuesday or whenever we're back.